Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. So thank you so much for tuning in today. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most important areas in our life that we often don't discuss enough, and that is love. And that's definitely not my expertise. So instead, I found two experts on it. I got Sandy Simpler and John Hall. And these people know a lot, but they don't only know something about relationships. They have a pretty impressive career behind them before really digging down. So Sandy, she owned a highly successful mortgage company with over 20 offices. So she hasn't only been stuffing love books, but also doing a real business. She's coached over 100,000 entrepreneurs worldwide in different sales businesses. She has been a certified panic healer, level three. We'll get more into what that means. Certified advanced theta healer, certified high performance coach. She has studied under my big role model, uh, Tony Robbins, the one that I um, credit <laughs> most of my good mood from, Alice Armstrong. <laughs> Uh, Shelly Kelly, Donny Epstein, David Dider. I'm probably pronouncing these wrong, but we'll hear more about them later and we, I'll make sure to put them in the show notes. John Wineland, uh, Kendra Konu, and then of course her own life experience, which is often the biggest part of the ingredients. And then John, on the other hand, he's been 25 years uh, in JP Morgan Chase leading and coaching global transformation teams. And he's also certified theater healer, certified high performance coach. He also studied under Donny Epstein, David Dider, and Johnny Weiland. <laughs> that was a lot of stuff. And I, know. I <laughs> and I met I met John at uh, at Tony Robbins event, and I saw instantly there's a lot of good energy for the people you meet there. But there's yeah. certain individuals that kind of spring to uh, spring out where you're like, there's a certain energy I gotta talk to him. And I saw I saw that in John, so uh, I went on like, hey John, I'm like hey, who are you? <laughs> uh, we we got a chat. I see you also got this crazy aura ring on. Um, yeah, tell me about yourself. <laughs> So Sandy and John, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for oh, having thank us. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, yeah. thank you. So that was a long bio. How did you get into like all of this stuff and how did you get into relationships? And when you read it back, I'm like, whoa, I've been doing, <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of things. Um, essentially for me, I've always been a seeker. My parents were in network marketing and they were always putting tapes in for us to listen to. So I joke that was brainwashed for the good way back then. Uh, but how I got into the embodiment portion of coaching is I had a uh, big intervention with Tony Robbins, three and a half hours at one of his events, Date with Destiny, which I believe is where the two of you met. Yes. Um, yeah. And so uh, Tony has a way of just going right to the jugular and not always pretty. And what he brought out in me was that I was showing up in life very masculine and I was very successful. I remember what he said. He goes, you know, no, um, no offense. He goes, you're a beautiful woman. And I'm sure that your partner, you know, loves you to death and probably, but he probably does not want to actually be intimate with you. And I, and he said it much more crass than that before your audience, I'll keep it G rated. Yes. And I was like, I was, I was stunned because I honestly, I remember my, my mind went, oh. 
and there's a picture of me that, uh, when this happened. And I, I honestly was so shocked because I had never heard this before, obviously. And I realized that much of the way that I was so driven was from a survival point of being. So that's really where it started. And then I really started studying under him for two years, traveling around the world with him. And because I'm a seeker, I wanted to know where he got some of his nuggets. And then so I branched off from Tony big time and started studying under other people that um, could help me get what Tony teaches, for example, in my body. Because mm -hmm. there's only so much that we can actually learn up here until we just regurgitate it, but we're actually not feeling it. And so that's really where the last three and a half, four years of my life have been. And essentially is how I, you know, was able to manifest a relationship with John um, versus some of the other toxic relationships that my brain wanted to cannibalize because that's what was normal for me from my childhood. Interesting. And, and I'd love to hear more about how we go from the brain to the body. That's Perfect. definitely yeah, that's something that I, that I find <laughs> okay, many of the listeners and also myself that I'm very much in my okay. head. Learning to be more in the body, I think, is something that many mm -hmm. of us need to learn more about. Yeah. yeah. Can I just say thank you for saying that? That's, I mean, I wasn't there when you met John, but I'm making up that that may have been one of the things you felt was John's embodied energy. And that actually brings tears to my eyes to know that there are more men that want to know how to be more like in their body. And because there's so much more, you can be more successful, number one, but also led with the heart. So mm -hmm. that really for women out there everywhere, thank you. And for the women to just understand that I was super successful, I mean, financially and in business, but I was not successful in love. And um, I had no idea what was wrong. I always blame the other people. So anyway, sorry for interrupting, but I just want to say thank you and honor you for just saying that out loud on your show thank you appreciate yeah. it Sandy yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah awesome and John yeah so for me it was really after my um, my first marriage ended in divorce and that was painful but there were so many gifts that I got out of that marriage for you know looking back and learning how to just love unconditionally and, and becoming less judgmental becoming a lot more open and, and loving to everyone okay. but at that time it was something that was really painful for me. And I looked at it, I'm like, well, I, I don't want this to ever happen again. What can I learn from it? What do I need to learn? And so I started on my own journey on personal development, but it really accelerated the most when once I met Sandy. And um, <laughs> yeah, that that story, and we, we to, to, just to give you some idea of how impactful meeting Sandy was, like the first time we ever knew each other existed, we met at the end of November at an event and we got married 111 days later. So that'll, that'll tell you a little bit about the impact that Sandy had on my life. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, I, she said, well, you know, just take a look at something. She's a good closer. There was yeah, something about sales. <laughs> well, the thing was too, if I may, I mean, and he, and it's good. It, I'm sure we'll get into this, but I learned how to, the old me would have given you like given a man on a date, a list of things that I wanted. Mm. I want this and this and this. And if I can't have that, then done. Or, but really what I had learned through this process is how you have requests and requirements. And so I was looking for someone, you know, that was, you know, that John actually had a lot of these qualities, but there were some things that actually like the personal development side that I really could feel there was, there's things there. So when I met John, it was, um, he already, my body is a, your body's a tuning fork, right? So when John got in front of me, it was like, whoa. I was just supposed to be practicing dating. I didn't want to get married again right mm. away, right? Anyway, I just he was just so noble in his character and his in his stature and his energetics that it didn't really matter that he wasn't necessarily into Tony Robbins or the embodiment world because he already naturally embodied it. You know, mm. it's really huge. 
Yeah, but but I I wanted to know more because when I met Sandy, she had the same effect on me. And you know, in the past, I'd, I'd meet a woman and date her, and I'd it would be all in my head. Well, is she good? You know, I like her, and I'd, you'd be physically attracted, but you'd think, well, okay, there's this and this. Let me think about. With Sandy, it was a full body impact of just oh my gosh, something, she just <laughs> lit me up. And I actually didn't know what to do with her at first. I mean, she she came out and it was like joke that the first time we met, she was like the Tasmanian devil in uh, Looney Tunes that's just spinning around. It was so <laughs> energy. I didn't know what to do, but I told her later, I said, you know, I feel like I'm a Greek king watching a goddess walk through my courtyard when you move. And I said, I want to learn more about this. And Sandy shared you know, I'd really love you to just take a look at some of these, you know, take a look at David Tate data, take a look at John Wyland. And I read the way of the superior man for the first time. And I said, Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Um, you know, wild at heart was another book that we read David data's book. And I just got to cut in quickly because, yeah. uh, um, coming from a Scandinavian country where there's a lot of, um, how we say things, the way of the superior man is not to say that men are superior to women. That's, that's not the purpose of the book just before Absolutely. anyone, before any one of my listeners, uh, any of the women out there here from Skinny and also the men are going yeah. absolutely nuts. Yeah. Well, I, I want to say this though too, uh, is that I actually gave that book to my son when he was 15. I mean, I gave that book to, you know, almost everyone that I was even interested in dating. And I did it very, very, I, this is just, a, if I knew they wanted to, they liked to read, I would give that to them, not mm. to change them. As a woman and a successful woman, what kept coming up for me is that I, there were men that didn't know how to meet me. And, and I don't mean like, hello, I'm Sandy and you are, I mean, they didn't know how to meet me and my success. They, um, or um, they, they were more leading in their feminine energy. And so I know that, what I found for myself is that even strong women actually want to be held. And I mean, held energetically. And, um, and it happens time and time and time again, if your core essence is feminine. And one, I think our best strategies that we will help help some of your listeners is we have this quiz that any, that anyone can take man or woman, and it doesn't matter. It's not gender specific. And I just want to make sure we stress this, that it actually will, um, it will test your leading essence. And then that's where we start, like really educating someone where they are. So I'm glad that you clarified that. And I want to say as a woman, I think every man needs to read that book and actually every woman so we can understand like the core of a very hardcore masculine man. So thank you for clarifying yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Cool. yeah no, I, so that was, that was really it. I mean, I felt her and I felt how I responded to her and I wanted to learn more. So with between David Data and John Wyland, I just dove into it. And uh, it, I can truly say it changed my life, not just because I, we got married, um, but because it, it's changed how I've shown up in relationship, how I've shown up in life, and just being, you know, just my own internal confidence and purpose has been so much deeper since that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I think it's so fascinating that we learn, we spend so much time in our life learning about different subjects. We learn about finance or we learn about bookkeeping or marketing or whatever it is. But no one really teaches us about relationships. Like, how yeah. crazy is that? 
Yeah. It is. I mean, isn't it? It's easier to get a driver's license. I mean, and I mean, sorry to get married than to get a driver's license, at least here in the States. It doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. Um, and there's so much to be said about learning at how to ask better questions. And But it first starts with knowing what you really want. Hmm. And it goes so much deeper than, you know, I want a man who's this tall, this tall, has this, this, or whatever your, you know, whatever your, your gender is. I just, it's just fascinating to me. And I know for me, going through many failed relationships, finally getting to this place and being able to teach women um even i need now have a program for teenage girls and so be able to teach these girls how to love who they are what i really honor about john is that he um like i said he was already so strong in stature and so noble and just all these beautiful qualities that back then i didn't attract in my life i just for for all the reasons that we talked about before the show was that he just showed up like ready to go deep and that was Mm -hmm. so attractive to me number one just just to be growth oriented Yeah. yeah Yeah, for sure. So, so where do we? So, if someone is listening out there, it's like super successful in the career, been kind of focusing on the career instead of their love life, or just someone that's in a relationship already. Like, where do we start to learn about this? Like, wh- where are we making some of these mistakes? What are some classics? Well, I I think one of one of the things that I learned that really um, that helped me out so tremendously was that. Men and women are absolutely equal. There's, there's, you know, I look at Sandy and Sandy's so accomplished. She's done so much and yet she will voluntarily choose for me to lead her because she, she wants that. She, she desires that and she's perfectly capable of doing it and yet will voluntarily surrender for me to do that. And I think learning about, you know, learning about the masculine and feminine and learning how those energies work within us, how we align with our core energy and learning also some of the work by Alison Armstrong about the difference between men and women has been instrumental in this. Yeah. I mean, when I was getting certified with her, I had to study a hundred men for a year. I mean, literally for a year. And there were, you know, I'd interview them. And and what does it mean to study a hundred men? Oh my gosh, can I tell you? I mean, asking them questions, interview questions. I mean, it was fascinating what I got to know about you incredible creatures. It was so different because so many women, I mean, we think you are a hairy woman. Like we think you're going to have emotions like like we do. We think you're going to want to, you know, um, relate like we do. And, and what John is saying is very, very true is that out of 99 of the 100 men, they all said that they love strong accomplished, able women who are voluntarily vulnerable. And that struck me so deeply to know that there's so many of us that are, you know, especially here in the States that are um, walking around thinking that we need to be, you know, tough or what have you or hard to get. And the truth is no, own who you are, understand the differences between men and women, uh, women and men. And then that we get to choose, we have a choice who we surrender to. And I don't just mean our bodies, but just our emotions, our time, for example. So I think that John hit the nail on the head is just first understanding that, that we have a choice, number one, and also learn what you really want and understand some of the differences between, between yeah. men and women. And it's, it's huge. I mean, like, I'm curious when you, I'll let you pitch it. Cause I'll, about, about the men and women, the differences that yeah. we learned. Yeah. yeah, well, you you touched on part of it by, you know, she, she was sharing a part of it that, um, you know, women will think that men are kind of hairy women, right? That we should behave the same as them. We're just, we're just built differently. But there, there's core differences in us all the way from the way that our brains form and we operate and our hemispheres connect with each other, how we feel emotion, just even the physicality. This is one thing that really impacted me so deeply is the amount of um, 
safety concern or focus on safety that women have that men don't have. And you know, we, we, we've done this exercise where you'll, you'll think about, well, when is a man is the last time you were in fear of your life? And I know I have to go way back and some men, right? They, they really have to think like, when is the last time I was in fear of my life? But you'll ask a woman and they'll be not just last month, not just last week, but many will share this morning or last night. And I'll give an example of what we mean by unsafe. I mean, yes, a robber or, you know, that kind of thing. But I mean, when I, when I wake up in the morning, like I'll go and make sure my door is locked, for example, or when I'm going out for the evening, I'll look, I'll look both sides, both ways before I step into my car. And we live in a relatively safe area. Hmm. Um, but we're constantly looking for, even, even if we're going to meet someone, maybe finding out someone's going to be there, but our brain is scanning to make sure we're going to be safe. Our brains literally are different than, than you know, the, the male gender. John mentioned the membrane that separates the right and left hemisphere. The reason why most men are more driven in their early 20s is because that membrane that separates the right and left hemisphere is very thick. And so back in these primal days, um, you, we call it, that's what we call in our studies, what you're, when you're in, um, in, in masculine mode, not just men, but hunter mode to get things done, you're very driven, single focused. Um, but in the more feminine space, you know, we're hunter, we're gathering, we're gathering and we're, we're communing. And the truth is, is that we have, we have both essences in us. What we're talking about here is the differences between men and women. Their membrane will dissipate as a man gets older. And where I'm really, um, I have a many clients now who've come to me that are with men who are going through midlife crisis. Um, my teacher likes to call it uh, the tunnel. And if you can actually understand these differences and understand that what they're looking for, men are looking for is vitality. And that's why a lot of men will go for a younger woman because they want to feel that juice and that aliveness. And so as women, I'm almost 50, for us to understand that we can actually still have that aliveness in us. And that will actually it's make, make a man, we can light a man up. To, mm. to know that we have the power to light you guys up and you can become enchanted with us, you know, and, and it doesn't have to just be our lover. I mean, we literally, if we have the gift, like John said, of lighting up the, the, the world, I mean, we give life and to deny ourselves of that is why I think a lot of women who are successful in the business world are struggling at home. And I work a lot of single entrepreneurs who have had failed relationships or they are in relationship and they don't understand why they've lost their like zest for life. And, uh, and it, it doesn't have to be that way. It just mm -hmm. doesn't. Yeah. yeah. So what's something we can do about that? Well, I, I think one of the first things is really this, the masculine feminine energy and something that can happen is if you don't have what we call polarity mm -hmm. in a relationship. Oh, yeah then it really will, will take the juice out of the relationship. It feels like you're more either buddies or roommates or maybe even competing with each other and butting heads. Uh, then you're really in this romantic relationship that you want. And so I think that happens for a lot of people. You often hear that kind of the spark dies out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so what tends to happen in that case is we all have masculine and feminine energies within us. But one of them is more in line with our core nature. So, you know, I happen to identify my core nature as masculine and Sandy's core nature is feminine, but we work together. And when we work together, it's kind of more effective for us both to be in this hunter mode, both to be in the, in the masculine energy, but that's not going to 
create a lot of spark. And, and sometimes that happens with day-to-day life or mm-hmm. just you're so focused on the kids and the work and everything else that needs to be done that you lose that, that, that difference. Yeah. So we teach, yeah, we teach people how to get back into how I can, if I go further into my masculine, it'll draw her into her feminine, or if she goes into her feminine, mm-hmm. it'll draw me further into her masculine. And, and once you understand that, you can use that to repolarize. And then to give, to give an example of that would be, because he's right. I mean, we, to really understand and acknowledge that when I'm in work mode, I am in, I'm, I'm in this space. And so for him not to be frustrated with me to be in that space, for him to honor that part of me. And then also he, when we're, when we have contained, like a, a, we're done with work, right? And then if I'm still walking in this masculine space, like get it done, get it done. He's, John's learned can I share candidly, like some things that we do? Okay. Mm, of course. Okay. So one of the things he'll do if I come out and I'm just, you know, ordering, we need to do this, we need to do this, we do this. Like I am, like when I'm, we're working and he'll, he will, we call it sacred theater where he will, he will, I don't know, give an example. I want to make sure you're okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, he'll, so he'll, he'll say, come on over here, come on over here. And he'll, um, and then he will act like he is, like he is my, like my assistant or something like, he'll like play it, play it really big. Or if I'm being really bratty and just being, and this is outside of work or in work, it doesn't matter. But sometimes to, to, to trip me up, he'll go, oh, I love it when you're bratty. I just love it when you're bratty, Sandy. How much more bratty can you be? And what happens is it changes my state like that, right? We've been known to share with clients and even do this ourselves that, you know, to give like a little, a little spanking on the tush or something like that to actually like to bring some fun into it. I have a client who she has this thing about dishes in the sink. And so we coach them together. And what we've taught him to do is that the next time that she complains about that, then he hits his knees. He's like, oh, the dishes. What are we going to do about the dishes? And just to amplify it, to make it fun. But what that does from the embodiment space is it allows you to actually appreciate that that we, everything doesn't have to be so serious and also acknowledge that that actually really does bother her right yes. relationships as you said do not have to get boring you they really don't and i'm not not also making light of you know when real issues come up that you need to discuss i think we live by there are three stages of communication and three stages of of relationship yeah. and i think that might be helpful to talk about here yeah. because you can use this even in your work life as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Yeah. So we want to talk about the three stages of communication. Yeah, I think that'd yeah. be great. So one one of the things that we we teach is that there are three stages of communication, and the first one is the one that we we it's a toxic level, right? So David Data describes having uh, toxic level where really you're it's the, it's the when you think of the really bad, ugly public fighting where people are just sniping back and forth and they're upset, they're hurt, but they're they're really focused on getting their needs met. Hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's actually, most of the time, it's not because there's, there's actually selfish. They just don't know any better. They're in that primal space of getting, really getting their needs met. And so um, after we share the three, the three stages, I would like to use it in a conversation style, especially with your women that are, that are listening, especially because the stage two is going to be the healthy stage where you sit down and you have a conversation right. and it's more of a, like you're pitching and catching and sharing, well, this is really bothering me. And this is bothering me and this is what I would need from you. And she would share what she would need. And it's, it's actually, it's a wonderful level when there's something really traumatic or deep, right? That's the level you want to be at where it's an even exchange between the two of you. And 
it doesn't create a whole lot of spark in the relationship. And it's why some people actually will get caught in relationships where they're fighting all the time because they want more of that friction and that fight and get mm -hmm. some energy right. rather than just a discussion where everything's equal. Totally. And generally what I find is that women that are picking fights is they're picking fights because they're trying to get some energy. So if the relationship's gotten kind of stagnant, you know, you're picking a fight because you're trying to create a connection. I'm not saying that's the healthiest way to create connection, but it is something to pay attention to, right? And that could be your homeostasis way that you have grown up that if you got attention as a kid, it may be because there was an argument, right? Yeah. And I can relate. My mother and I were like that growing up that I, that I would get her attention or distract her to get my way if we if I created a situation. So that was always a, a stickler in my relationships. I believe I was trying to pick fights, right? The stage three level is um, the one that's really fun. And that's where we talk about the sacred theater of peace. But also it's where you see your partner or you see your, um, it can be maybe your employees or you see your, your friends that you know their purpose is more than where they are right now and maybe where they're showing up. And so it can just be a behavioral piece. And this has come up for me um, with a client who was having an affair. And, you know, I know that that's not his for his best and highest good to be in that space. And I also know, not that I'm condoning it, why he was doing it. Yeah. why he was in the space because she was emasculating him, basically castrating him with her words and her criticism, yeah. withholding sex. And so he was looking for that light, that air, that this, and he was, didn't really want to have a conversation with her level two, level one or anything. And so for me to coach him was to see the light in him and go, I know that you're a family man. Right. And so uh, to, to, to point it out like that, and then that's someone who's calling you out in love and I'm sure as, you know, as with employees or friends or lovers, that's, that's really what it's about. Yeah. I think that level three, when you achieve the level three, where you're, you're sacrificing, you know, you are putting your interest aside and you're really focusing on what's best for love, what's best for yeah. the relationship. That's that highest level that really creates that spark when you do it. And we have fun with it, but there's also embodiment techniques we use that just really spark and light up the relationship and bring connectedness there uh, so quickly. What could be an example of an embodiment practice to uh, to get that started? Yeah, so I do. I got one. Oh, Go, I want to hear. I want to hear. I want to hear. So, so we, um, you know, again with the masculine and the feminine. Once you know your core, what your core identity is. So for me, it's masculine, and the masculine energy is really focused on. It's focused on purpose, on on completion, on stillness, on structure. So the embodiment practices that I have are really more on, you know, it, it's almost the masculine meditations. I'm, I'm looking at that core piece within me that is always the same, right? What's that core essence in me that has been there from childhood and will be there even, you know, beyond when I die. And that's the masculine, that consciousness, that focus is really where I, I put my focus for the masculine and that embodiment exercise of learning how to bring your chest, bring your shoulders back, opening up your chest, opening up your heart, your, your posture, and just making sure your spine is, is correct. Uh, bringing your head, how your head is adjusted and, you know, not having it forward, but bringing it back. So it's level. Um, and really the position is one with your legs and you're grounded firmly into the earth and you can feel that energy and that right there, especially when you're still and you're doing a deep breathing, right? So the, the masculine is about having that deep breath and bringing that deep breath in and Sandy will, will feel it. 
I mean, she'll, she'll feel it when I do this practice and I do these breathing exercises or do this meditation. Yeah. And it's not even just, I'll notice it. I mean, now since I'm pointing this out, all of you, if you see a man that's slumped over or like leaning back like this, or I mean, just, I mean, it really is a point of like up, upright like this breathing in and then when in the masculine when you're 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 asymmetrical right and so we as ladies literally remember what i said about scanning for safety we if you put two men in front of us and one is slumped over and one is upright he will be more trustable even if he probably is a jerk i don't know but just energetically is what i mean and so that is something that really no one talks about we talk about posture but i'm talking about like the like the spine breathing us in I, one thing that John does super well, and you also have to practice this because most of us are breathing from up here, is that there's a way that a man can breathe a woman in, like literally breathe, breathe us in. Like he, he, John will match my cadence. Match her breath. Yeah. My, yeah, my breath. And then he will take it down. And so if you have a woman in your life and you can even do this with employees, it's not necessarily sexual. I've seen men do it with their daughters that if you're upset and the, the hair is on fire or what have you, then literally you can take, I mean, sh- can we show you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, well, and this is an exercise. You can do as well, but you'll, you'll look into your, your partner's left eye and just breathe through your nose. And I just start matching her breath. Yeah. And what I feel inside, what I can feel is in my solar plexus, like my, I can feel in my stomach. I can feel this, this, where there's like a sense of being plugged in, like I get plugged Mm. into the earth, right? I get plugged in and I can feel myself just start calming down. And so they, it's, it's, you don't have to be actually facing each other. The reason why he's saying a practice is that you can actually do this with your partner, set up 15 minutes. I can only imagine if all your men watching, if you just said to your, to the lady in your life, I'd like to spend 15 minutes. I want to show you something. And then you just, just to breathe her in we melt. I mean, we completely come undone in the best possible way uh, because there's a sense of being present and there's nothing more attractive than a man who's present with us, who's actually holding space. So, I mean, this is something that we've actually, we literally set up time to practice together, but John could show you the same exercise by sitting here with me. If I, in fact, he, he did it earlier. I was talking a little fast and I could feel, I actually could feel the cadence of his breath take me down. And um, it's like practice. Like you have a yoga practice, you want to have an embodiment practice. And for, and for the women in my life um, that I, that I work with, you know, I, you could do that through dance and I don't necessarily just mean, in fact, I have a meditation. Maybe I'll, I'll give you the link to anybody who wants this, not just dance and fast dance, although that's super. Um, but I'm talking about how slow can you move your body? And we call it a mat practice where you just have a mat and you listen to a music music. And as long as even if your pinky is moving, you're in this feminine space and you allow yourself to feel the feelings because I'm under the aspect that you have to feel to heal. You have to feel to heal. If we're coaching someone that's on a date, for example, we'll have the woman, you know, if she's to, how do you light the man up? And it's not by looking super sexy necessarily. It's actually by your energy. It's by the light. 
right? It's about like, are we sitting there? No man wants to be met with another man like this. Now, if I'm in a business meeting, it might be a little bit different, um, but there'll be something that I've done in the morning to keep me so in my feminine where I can access my masculine because we have both essences. There's not one or the other. Um, we were at a workshop this weekend and you know the practice was there's actually meditations where a moving meditation where we were doing masculine and feminine together as together, a couple both, yeah. and it all had to do with movement. So because you guys need to also know and your feeling body, I love your feminine because that's where your love is. That's where you may play with your puppy or your kids. You know what I mean? So um, it's not just about being a man and being masculine, you know, or a woman who may identify more in the masculine. It's not just about that. We have to heal these two essences and blend them together. And that quiz we mentioned will actually get, be a good start for that. Mm. Yeah. So how do we get more in our body? So that was one way of getting into our body. There's also breath for men is huge. I mean, building up our lung capacity, working on the breath, that is such a core foundational focus for us, right? And a lot of times we don't, we don't do that. We start, we breathe very shallowly, very shallow throughout the day and really just expanding out our body, our chest to be able to take in more air, um, our breathing into our belly where we learn to move our diaphragm and get everything moving down there. It, it not only gets us into our body, but it gives us more energy from the increased oxygen as well. In fact, Wim Hof technique is something that we do a lot in masculine practice to expand out our lung capacity and be able to, to build that out. Plus the, the stillness is very masculine once you've exhaled and you're just sitting there. Uh, so Wim Hof is something that we do as well. And I'll prescribe Wim Hof for my, for my women as well. So they can actually heal. We, we, we must heal the, the masculine and feminine um, and, and those childhood wounds. And we do that through the body. And so um, I'm trying to think of another. Oh, someone, for example, who may not be able to access joy. I mean, really has a hard time, does not understand joy. Uh, we've been known to give somebody a, a skipping practice where one minute a day you are going to skip. And you're because it may be going from, especially in quarantine, it was a lot of fun where you would skip from your desk to the bathroom. Like every time you go to the bathroom, you're going to skip, whether you're a man or woman. Because if you can't access joy, I mean, there's no living basically, right? Another one would be is giving somebody, and this is not just for women. I mean, please feel free. I mean, a temper tantrum practice. If you need to like get in touch with like that little kid in you, and so many of us have detached like the little kid in us for whatever reason. And so, you know, through a meditation, we can, we can, you know, in hypnosis, which is what we use as well, you can get there. But what works even better is if I give you a temper tantrum practice that allows you to go, I mean, even for you, I invite you, give yourself a one minute temper tantrum practice when something's not going your way. And, you know, to actually like, whatever it is. I mean, I mean, literally pretend like you're that kid on the floor that you see at the grocery and you're, and you're embarrassed for the parents, like really embody that and do it for several weeks. And you, we were laughing, but it works. I mean, when my teacher gave me that practice several years ago, I was, um, I mean, I'm pretty dramatic, but I, especially after doing this work, but I didn't realize how out of touch I was with anger and frustration. And actually the little girl who had a lot of things taken away from her, you know, right? A lot of things taken away. And that really helped me heal. Oh, I guess we goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. And what's fascinating is when men do this practice, because there's, it, be, it allows you to have a healthy energy and relationship with anger for sure. Yeah. 
I, I think that's a big part of it is just really a lot of times people will think their feelings are wrong and I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't be sad. I shouldn't be suppressed. I shouldn't, you know, especially the negative emotions that they think, well, I shouldn't be this way. And what we'll teach is, is through fully embodying that feeling, right? Fully embodying the anger that you're feeling or fully embodying the sadness that you're feeling, making the sound, making the movement of it, letting it flow through your body, fully going into that emotion, you'll actually dissipate it. And then you can take action from a state where that emotion's no longer drive. You haven't judged that emotion to be mm -hmm. wrong, right? right? You've, you've let that emotion do its job and dissipate. And now from another state, you can then say, well, how am I going to act on this? What do I need to do? Or is it just something that I accept even and I let pass by it's, yeah. um, you know, as well? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it is about, you know, acknowledging. And when we acknowledge something, it becomes real. And it doesn't mean we have to, like John said, accept it as if there, there's resignation, but we have more energy that we can actually ask, access the unbound energy to become a resourceful, to come up with a solution. And I think at the end of the day, you know, that's really what we're looking for is, is and, and there's a lot more joy. I mean, I did a masterclass during when quarantine first happened was, you know, how to experience more joy when, when, when things aren't going right, basically. Mm -hmm. And we actually could access even more joy in those moments um, through, you know, actually finding, finding the, the gifts in it as well. Right. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. So what for someone who is looking to find love? So, so many of us have so high criteria. Mm -hmm. What, what, uh, what are some good advice for, for finding the right person? Well, first off, I think it starts with, and no, nobody really loves this answer is, is doing, you have to love yourself. And that sounds so corny and pat, but there are many times what, we, what I do with clients is I'll, I'll put them on a no man or no, no woman diet. And what that allows you to do is witness how often do you find validation with the opposite sex or your same sex, whoever you're attracted to. And I don't mean, I mean, it's fascinating, even like the grocer, you know, you get, you may get validation from them or the toll booth operator. That is a great place to start, um, but do that with, with some help. And we could definitely help someone with that, but definitely have criteria, but I would actually we put you through a closed eye process where you actually talk about like, what is it that you really, really want? And so I would start with, I'll just give you a tool, write down 80 things that you must have, including maybe even what they look like. I mean, be as shallow as you want. And then what you're going to want to do is to ask yourself this question. I'd rather be alone than be with a woman or man who is or is not this. I'd rather be alone. Um, and then what that does is it, it, it binds it down. And then you start from that place. Um, I also think it's very important for women, especially the women that are listening to us, to learn how to reveal their heart and feel okay with that. And so I really think that takes them down a journey that has nothing to do with their partner. I know and I believe that the best spiritual practice is to be in a monogamous relationship um, where you actually learn to learn your partner's needs, right? And then actually, how can you be better for that? Yeah. So to understand your own needs first, like what's self-nourishing for you? I mean, even as a man, what's nourishing for you? Um, for a woman, I'll, I'll do a practice of, is, is this nourishing you? Is this bringing you pleasure? And um, I think that's key is to really get down to the nitty gritty. If Don't rush it. Really understand what it feels like in your body. Get down to what it is that you really want. I would say don't settle, but that's so, that's so generic. What I would like to see people do is practice dating a little bit more. I I was a little jealous, and he he knows I say this, so it's no. But that 
for now that I know this worked so much and all of you that were in quarantine and you're online dating, what a like a Petri dish of being able to reveal for the women to be able to reveal their heart um, in the way I'm talking about, to reveal what they really need. You know, it's so important and I'm, I'm not so, skipping. So how would you do that? So I'm thinking Tinder, swiping, happen, swiping, and then just writing, hey, um, hey, John, um, I'm a powerful woman. I'm vulnerable. I have all of these 80 needs. Um, I can go and compromise for 40 of them. So like, so uh, like, no, how, 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 no, no, that was not the right way. <laughs> no, don't do that. Because, okay. because by the way, that's a very masculine approach. Let's get down to the bit. Let's get down to the bottom of it. Let's do this and that. I mean, you want to have some things like I miss when you're looking through these profiles, determine is, you know, what is it? You're also going to feel energy. Ladies, if you'll get in your body and do a meditation and, you know, do something that's going to allow you to feel, I mean, whether it's even just dancing around your room before you start looking for swiping there's going to be something about that person that may light you up. That doesn't mean you need to marry them or even go out on a date with them, but have a conversation with them um, and see, see what comes up. Um, like I said, I had high criteria. The difference was when I started dating again is I did not do what you just suggested, which is something what I would have done in the past, right? I don't want to waste time if you don't have this, that. So there's a way that you can actually feel into it. And then when you are having a date with them, if, you, if they get that far, I first say, if you want to adopt, for example, or have kids, don't go out with somebody who doesn't or at least find out on the first date. And there's a way that you can do that. And we, we call it date intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think two parts to that. The first part is, you know, when you come up with a list and you know who you're looking for, the question to ask yourself is who do I need to be yeah. to attract that person? Absolutely. Because if you're looking for a person that meets all these certain criteria, you know, maybe you're looking for, you know, a woman who's incredibly beautiful and incredibly successful. And she's, she also trusts your leadership and, and she trusts how you are, but you're showing up a way that's not trustable. That doesn't show your own purpose. That doesn't show your own vision and value in yourself. You're not going to attract that kind of person. Mm -hmm. So knowing who you need to be to attract that person in yep. is, is the first part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So good. The, the second part of it, I would say, is it, it's about asking better questions. Mm -hmm. And we shared this with our audience, with our, our full audience. And it comes down to, you know, being willing to put yourself out there and be open and honest about who you are, not in the way of you have to meet this checklist or I'm done with you. But this is what's really true to me. What's really true to me is I do want children and I want this many children. What's really true to me is I want to travel the world or I always want to stay here in this place. What's true to me, you know, and, and sharing what's true to you and being able to reveal that to your partner and ask them the question, the open-ended questions about what's true to them will let you determine so much more quickly how your values line up, how your core values line up. Yeah, and do it in a way that, like you said, not in an interview-based process, but if you know what you want. And there is, we call it, it's the art of intimacy for a reason. There is art to this. And this is one reason why I think our work is becoming more popular is because people are tired of, there's so much competition out there with all this online that people aren't, what I'm finding from my clients is that people aren't attached. They're not attached to what's happening. They're not, they're not bought in. So let's, like, let's teach you how to screen out the gate it just it makes a lot of sense that way um, but who do you need to be I think that's the number one thing that I think when people first start working with us that have been jaded they're like what do you mean who do I need to be <laughs> they're just and because it's easier to blame the other person right the other thing I want to say too especially because your audience is is a lot of very successful people men and women is that many people they want someone who's super successful but if there's something in your mind that you also want a family man 
I mean, someone who's going to be at every soccer game and what have you, what have you, you know, if a man or a woman's on purpose, okay, that may not be their top priority. And so these are things to really pay attention to. So we have resources for that. You know, if they, if you answer this quiz or you get in touch with us, it's fascinating because, you know, we, what we think we want when we go deeper may not be what we want. That's yeah. so unbelievable. Yeah. And I had no idea that when this came to me, I thought I needed to have these things checked. Um, I'll give you another example. Someone may say, I want someone who is a faith, who is a faith and who's a, who, who is, a, a, let's just say a Christian, for example. And there's all different ways to actually honor God, right? And so, but if someone's super more religious minded, um, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be warped like they are, right? And then, and then someone is going to be warped like they are, not warped in a negative way. And so I know I was in relationship with someone um, that he was extremely religious. He loved my spirit and my light. But when I'm, when I'm in my space worshiping, I'm like dancing. I mean, I might, no one loves God more than me. And he loved my light, but it made him so uncomfortable that, um, that he, that he basically let me know, like, I, this is a, I don't want you to be that way. And that was such a part of my life. So I'm saying like truly reveal who you are. And, uh, but that's an example. Then when I was looking again, when I found John, I wanted someone who was, who was already grounded in their faith and who was more relationship driven with their, with, with their faith. And that is where we, where we really were yoked for sure. Yeah. 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 Oh, another good one. Actually, this is kind of funny. May I? Okay. Can I? Um, <laughs> also having a good relationship with her mother. Um, and I'm thinking of my own personal story. So I also said that I wanted someone who had a great relationship with their mother because I've learned that if you have a good relationship with your mother, you probably are going to be good to women. That's not always the case because I was in relationship, I almost married him, someone who had such a great relationship with his mother that he talked to her six times a day. Like I, so my point is, is that this whole 80 thing is 80 point thing is very important because I want them to have a healthy relationship with their mother, not just a good relationship with their mother. So it's, it sounds silly, but it really does work. And when I take someone's relationship vision and we start really putting it through this sieve, it's amazing what we end up coming up with. And it's really what they truly want. Yeah. And the, the final thing I just add is not settling. Um, you know, really knowing who you want, knowing who you need to be, uh, asking those questions, but also be being willing, you know, being willing to compromise, but also, you know, what are the things that are, you know, hey, uh, I don't, you know, I, I want someone who never eats desserts, right? Well, that's maybe something that you compromise on, but something that if you're really looking for a per person with certain characteristics or qualities, not being so scared that there's no one else out there, that you, you wind up with someone that you know you feel in your body isn't right. Mm. So it, it's being with the person that you know is right, that there is the right person out there for you. And yeah, it, that. absolutely. Yeah. And they're, yeah. they're I mean, coming, not from a place of scarcity and to recognize too, there's different ways people want to relate. I mean, I was looking for someone I could grow with in life, right? Some people are looking for a partner, someone that they are partners in life and they do everything together. And, you know, and that, and that doesn't necessarily be growing, for example. Then there's the companion model where someone, one, one person is looking for the other to actually lift them up. And, and there's nothing wrong with this either, but more of a, compa a companion where you're, you're there to lift the other person up and you got to determine which one is that going to be. That wasn't in, in, my, in the cards for me. Yeah. <clears throat> Makes sense. So what are your thoughts on comparability? Meaning, so for example, I love to work. I know a lot of people do that. They feel mm -hmm. it as a calling and not work, yeah. but like yes. a, a passion and a mission. And if there's a lot of hours going into that and you're also into being healthy, 
that means suddenly there's not that many hours left for friends and family and mm-hmm. love. So for me, at least something I look for <clears throat> is that some of the other activities, either we can uh, have a common interest in some of the work we're doing, or we have a common interest in some sports, uh, music, singing, or whatever it is that you find a lot of joy in doing, um, apart from your calling, so to say. Totally. Um, no, I think I think that goes back to those 80 to 100 questions. I mean, someone who is in, you know, something there because you're right and you want to be able to come together in that space and also acknowledge the differences. You also want to be careful, though, that you're not so much alike that you lose polarity. Hmm. Right. So it doesn't mean you can't go for a bike ride together or play soccer or what have you. But you want to make sure that the energies are opposite. Um, and if I, you know, if, if, if I was coaching your partner, I'm not sure if you're in partnership or not, but I would say if you were in the middle of working and um, we also know as women, like sometimes what's best. And I say that with love that I would, you know, encourage her to learn a fun, sacred way that she could um, distract you. Right. And she could love on you and not in a way that's going to criticize you or bitch at you. But she, there's a way that she could come around you and hug you or crawl on the floor under your desk and just tease you a little bit. Um, but also, to be with a woman who understands your mission is key for you for sure yeah Yeah, especially yeah especially when you're on your mission and you're on purpose that's something you're so committed to Mm -hmm. that you can you can uh almost you feel like it's off purpose to go into relationships so recognizing that and, and investing in your relationship is important as well yeah and i know that the three of us really are into biohacking like a lot of your listeners john wasn't when I met him. But remember, my mantra was I wanted to be in a divinely appointed relationship with someone who was growth oriented for himself, for others in our relationship. Hmm. I mean, this literally was running all the time. It was up on my bathroom mirror. I had it running in the, I mean, it was there. So, but John was so open for growth and for his own growth. And he already was doing so much in his health that when I mentioned, oh, guess what? I'm going to be doing this, you know, would you like to come? He's like, yeah, absolutely. And so um, and he's introduced me to things I didn't know and vice versa. But I think knowing what's important to you out, out the gate is huge. Hmm. Yeah. How long does that list? So if you start with 80 things that you would like, and then there are certain things that you don't compromise on. So what's a, what's a normal level to end on? I don't think there's a formula. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> masculine you. No, there's not a formula. It really, what I would have you do is, oh, I'm going to have to totally send this to you. I'm going to have you do is like find that list, do, do your analysis and then come down to whatever that is. And then we can have another conversation or, cause it really is, I mean, 10 things is going to be tough that they're non-negotiables, right? Like total non-negotiables. So that's why doing this. Let's talk after you do this and see where you, where you end up. I think really it's going to, it comes down to maybe, I've had some people like 10 things on their list and then they come back, but generally they all will be clumped together. You know, there's like three mm. or four different areas. Yeah. I did it many years ago with um, <clears throat> some of Tony's work. I put like all the things you want in the partner and the things that you definitely don't want. Absolutely. <clears throat> and then also like, who do you have to be? And I think I, I really appreciate that you mentioned that. I think that's so important. Often we expect so much in life, but we don't look at like what we have to contribute to get it. Like many people want to live like top 1% in the world or even better, what that they see on Instagram and so on, but they're not even willing to put in the work of top 50%. So I think it's just so important to look at like, okay, if these are your expectations, you got to put in the work yourself as well. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that also. I know I did that same that same exercise, like being a mom, like mm-hmm. being a mom to our kids. Is you know who do I need to be? You know, if I feel like we're disconnected, and really being able to call my own foul. I think it's important to look at ourselves and not see ourselves as perfect or victims. And that's easier said than done, which is why I I love the the inner work that needs to be done. You know, to understand like what's the feeling behind the feeling that you don't allow yourself to feel, for example, because I really do believe that you have to feel to heal. Whether whether you're a man or woman. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So time is running fast. Yeah. So I want to hear more about where we can find out more about you and the other stuff that you do. Mm-hmm. But before that, if you have one last exercise for becoming more heartfelt, mm-hmm. that's a new word for me, I think, uh, 2019. Oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, I was yeah. kind of realizing that um, I was being heartful when I was teaching mm-hmm. and after kite surfing and Ooh, certain other okay. things. Um, it was a different feeling and also at several of Tony's events you kind of get in he gets you in that state where I was like this is a different state of my determined just go there and like on a mission and so on but that's a nice aspect of life that I should definitely uh, try to find some more yeah you know I I think for I'll share it from the masculine perspective and then you may have something from the feminine but um, from from my perspective I know what works so well for me is I will start just by getting into a meditative position and focusing on my breath and bring my breath down into my belly. And once I'm, I'm, you'll kind of feel that click where you come into your body. And then what I'll do is I'll actually just focus on my heart and I'll imagine pushing my heart down into the ground to ground it. I'll imagine using my heart to feel out, especially checking my body, right? So my shoulders are back and my chest is open and feeling out with my heart. I can even feel my heart in my hands and just practice that to, to, to get that sensitivity. And then going up with my heart all the way up into the heavens and just feeling the, the cosmic connection that we all have. And just that exercise, starting with the breath work to get embodied and then focusing on your heart for grounding, for feeling out, for feeling up. And it will, it will activate your heart and bring you more heartfelt, I think more heart-centered uh, as you're looking for yeah, uh, that's a that's a great one. And then for me, because I'll meditate like that as well. Um, and also, and this is for men or women, I think uh, so I'm going to suggest a few if you don't mind. Um, sure. Shaking, shaking is one because it moves the energy through. Like you start, like I have this shake. You shake and shake everything. You shake, shake it all, and what happens? You feel the energy and you feel your heart open. I also know we didn't talk about this here is a bat practice. And this sounds silly, or you could use like a pool noodle. But if you're feeling angry or you're feeling like some friction or some tension to literally just take, it's why boxing works, right? But we're talking about having quick things you can do on the fly so you can open up your heart. Um, definitely. I mean, if you're in, in a relationship, I mean, there's nothing like, you know, doing that. But I, when we're, we're looking at each other heart to heart, eye to eye and him, and him breathing, breath breathing breath me in. Yeah. But if you're on your own, you know, moving, moving this through your body, uh, if you're feeling pain or sadness, you know, instead of trying to go rush out to go for a run, actually slow down and let your body feel it. Because if you don't do that, it comes up in disease, it comes up in anger, it comes up in frustration and really lashing out. And uh, there's no reason, there's too many tools out there that we have to to use. Yeah. Fantastic. So you do a lot of work, you do coaching, you have Mm -hmm. some programs, some groups as well. Can you say a bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. So um, both of us do individual and group coaching. So I have a, a men's program called Men Ignited. 
that is really focused on us. What's our purpose? How do we how do we deepen our relationship with our body, with ourselves, with our purpose, and really staying, you know, being able to better embrace our inner quality, whatever that may be, and better amplifying that and transmitting that out for and. Go ahead on yours. Yeah. And I have to say as a woman, like hearing, I can hear him. He has a men's group that he leads. And when I hear the, the the bass and I can't hear what they're saying, but I can just hear the bass in their voice, you know, from across the room. I'm like, oh, these are men that are doing the work. It's so awesome. Um, and for me, you know, I do work, I do work with men as well. Um, and, uh, and we do that as couples, but also with men. But primarily that's, that's John's bag now. Um, I work with women through a sacred she program and it's a group program. Um, that we're working together for six months. And then I also have my one-on-one clients. And um, and yeah, and then we also have couples that we work with that come to us um, either before they've tried counseling or not. And uh, we have a website and all the things. And I would love to give your, your guests like a, definitely do the quiz, but maybe a meditation so they mm-hmm. can just have, so they can get a taste of what it is that yeah. we do. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Yeah, we, can, awesome. uh, we can put that in the show notes. Awesome. Wonderful. And where's the best place to find you guys? Probably um, at sandysembler.com. At sandysembler.com, you'll find most everything there. We'll probably be the best. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make sure to put that in. And what about social media? Is that a place to follow you as well? Oh, definitely. I love, I love the, yeah. yeah. We're on live every day. It's uh, 11, 15 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, That's on Facebook. On Facebook. Yeah. And I love, and I love Instagram. I think Instagram's fun to play with. I'm Sandy Sembler, Sandy Sembler. And then we're Sandy Sembler and John Hall Hall. on Facebook. So we go live every day and give tips and we talk about our life and we're pretty real. It's, I think it's embarrassing for John sometimes how real, real we are, but, uh, but it seems to be serving people. So yeah. we're, we're there to like to not hide anything. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. We've before, enjoyed. Yeah. Before we round off, any last parting advice? Woo. Hmm. I I just say, you know what, my, my one thing that I do teach men and I'll share this because so many times we get into conflict. Um, our partner is upset. Our partner, you know, is, is maybe not even upset at us, but especially when they're upset at us, I think this kicks in and fight or flight comes in. We wind up either getting an argument or dropping them and, um, it makes things worse. It worsens it in our relationship. So I teach men all this all the time, just as a very quick checklist, uh, there's a there's a gentleman who did a research and he found when your heart rate goes over 100 beats per minute, he calls it flooding, and you're unable to really communicate, effectively communicate in a relationship at this point. So if you get, as a man, if you start getting into a, uh, something becomes emotional with you and your partner, I would just say, check your, go through a checklist, check your posture. Is your shoulders back? Are you standing upright? Is your posture good? Are you breathing all the way into your belly? Um, are you facing your partner and looking at her in the eye? Are you, you know, start matching your breath, use your breath to help lead that breath and lead it to a deeper, slower breath. And you'll be amazed just even with those quick items, when you get into conflict, how it will help you be able to come up with a response that's different and will be better for your relationship. Yeah, and I would say for, I'll speak to the women out there, that when you're transitioning, whether you're single or you're going home to your partner, or even if you guys are still in quarantine, you're going from one room to the other, have a transition, have a transition where, you know, allow your man to have his space because you guys need your cave, right? Um, We also, when we're in our masculine, need that as well. And so I'm asking for all of you to honor 
just what is. Honor the fact that you need a transition, that you may need some downtime, you know, 15 minutes yourself with silence, with nothingness, which is the masculine. And then, ladies, this is what we get for wanting to be out there in the workplace, right? We also need to take on that we want to be more in our feminine. So that's where I would say find us if you're on commute, find a song you can listen to. Even better, I don't care if you're in a bus, the car, whatever, move your body, do something to transition before you enter with your family again. Also with the inner inner with yourself, it is so simple and it really does work to honor that. Have something that's going to anchor that in for you. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Perfect. That also reminds me of the advice of before you enter your home, whether you are a man or woman, just breathe first. (sighs) Yeah. And then like put an intention on like, what do you, what do you want the next interactions to be? Do you want them to be a loving, joyful world or are you coming in just from stress? Absolutely. I mean, even and to actually explain that to your partner and I've learned something today that maybe it's going to that I that I need that I need. And then and then to actually allow allow yourself to ask for that and then also give it to your partner. Hmm. I think we should honor each other for asking for what we need, even if we don't necessarily agree with it. So, yeah, Sandy and John. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. What an honor. Yes. Good to see you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.